There's a famous quote from Oscar Wilde, uh, and he says that, I can withstand, or he says I can resist, I can resist everything except temptation. I love that line, right? I can resist everything except temptation. Today in our gospel reading, Jesus undergoes three temptations. And we could spend so much time, there's such a profound and rich biblical background uh, to why Jesus undergoes specifically those three. We're going to talk about one of them today. A brief note on that, notice that Satan and Jesus quote scripture back and forth to each other. Satan quotes scripture in tempting Jesus. So just because someone has a scripture quote memorized doesn't mean that they know the truth or that they have the truth. This is why God gave us the church to be a guide. Satan also tells Jesus today in our gospel that all the kingdoms of the world are in his power. And make no mistake, it really is true. You know, they say the greatest uh, trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. A lot of people today think there's no real evil. And brothers and sisters, that's just not true. If you're a Christian, it's imperative that we understand that Satan is real Evil is a real presence. It doesn't always look the way we think it might. But it's real. And we need to be cognizant of that. If you're going to be a Christian, if you follow Jesus, I promise you, brothers and sisters, you will face immense temptation. You will face immense temptation. Have you ever had someone in your life that kind of provokes you? Right, like I, I have to confess, I was not optimistic about the Super Bowl. Right? But if you have friends who are, uh, we played Carolina, right? Um, if you had a bunch of friends who were like Carolina Panthers fans, likely if you went into a room full of like 50 Panthers fans, you probably wouldn't wear your Peyton Manning jersey. Now you might be a jerk, so you might do that. But you, you generally we don't like to provoke people. That would provoke someone, right, if you did that. The goodness of Christ, right? The world, Satan tells us today that Satan, that the kingdoms of the world belong to him. The goodness and the love of Christ, when it breaks into the world, provokes evil. It irritates it. It brings it up from the surface. Hans-Urs von Balthasar says this. He says, The more Christ's kingdom is manifested as the light of the world, as a city set on a hill and a leaven, the more it will meet determined opposition and the more extensive the satanic counter-strategy will prove. Brothers and sisters, the more you embrace the gospel, I wish it were otherwise, But the more you embrace the gospel, the more opposition you'll face from Satan and the evil powers. It's nothing to be scared of, but it's a reality, and we need to be conscious of that. St. Paul says this, at the end of the, there's this great section in Romans 7. It's really hard to read. Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells within me in my flesh. 
I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. Did you ever feel that way? Like, I know I should love that person who drives me insane. I just can't do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. And here's the key line. Paul says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Temptation's a reality in our life. When you and I desire to be more Christ-like, when we want to love God, we're going to face opposition. And so today what I want to do, I want us to think about how does that work in our life? If we're conscious of the way that we're tempted and of the way evil confronts us, we're going to be better equipped to face it. So what we're going to do this morning, I want to make two, tell you about two lies that Satan whispers to, I think, all of us, or at least that are very common in our culture today. And then I want to talk about a general way that he works for every single one of us. So two lies. The first thing is that Satan doesn't want you to be engaged. So many people in our culture, they think, it's really not that big of a deal. I'm going to heaven anyways, so why do I have to go listen to Father Brian on Sundays? Well, you might be going to heaven. I don't know. It's a risky thing to say, well, I can be disobedient to the commandments of Jesus Christ, and I'm still going to go to heaven because I want to. But so many of us, we think our sin is private. It doesn't matter. You know, if I have lust in my life, if I have judgment, um, if I'm greedy, if I'm after power, it doesn't really affect anyone else. Brothers and sisters, that's a lie. One of the biggest ways that's a lie is that there aren't enough people who love God. When you encounter a Christian who is on fire with their faith, they build you up. It feels so good when you meet other strong Christians. It's, you mutually help each other. Right, I should have at least two assistant priests at this church. All right, guys, what are you doing? Right, I need help. <laughs> the other one I always say, you've seen it at this church, we have a great young adult community. And I laugh with them because if you know anything about the Denver young adult Catholic community, you'll go to these events and there's like 10,000 beautiful women and eight dudes. <laughs> and those eight guys are like, but and for the women as well shouldn't there be more shouldn't there be so many more people in our churches that God gave a purpose and a mission to and who work with us so many of our people in our culture think it doesn't my life doesn't really matter Jesus says to us that your life is irreplaceable. And if you're not growing in holiness, if you're not on the field, God's kingdom will not be advancing. God's kingdom will not be advancing. 
The other thing is just that it's too hard. Satan oftentimes tells us, you know, it's just too hard to live the Christian life. Brothers and sisters, it is hard. And I would be lying if I said it's going to be easy. But God always gives you the grace. He's going to give you his Holy Spirit to do these things. You'll, you'll fail, but you'll get back up again, and you'll make progress. But here's the real thing. Satan is a master deceiver. And what he does to deceive us is he gives us counterfeits. All right, what's a counterfeit? A counterfeit is something that looks like the real thing, but it's not. So think about Velveeta cheese. It looks amazing. It's not food. Right? But it's awfully tempting. I told the last Mass, I was like, no one ever remembers the actual substance of my homilies. You'll go home and they'll be like, what was Mass about? Velveeta cheese is from Satan. <laughs> That's why people don't come to church. But Satan, what he loves to do with us, brothers and sisters, is he loves to put something that looks real in front of us, but that's a counterfeit. One example of this, and, and hear me right on this, I think a counterfeit form of communion, right, what do all of us desire more than anything? We desire to love and to be loved. I desire that more than anything. We're so hungry for that. I think one of the biggest counterfeit forms of that today is Facebook. And don't go home and say, Father Brian said that Facebook is from H-E double hockey sticks. I didn't say that. What I am saying is that think about it. You can go on Facebook and people will put things about their life on their page. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing immoral there. In fact, it, can, it sometimes can be really good. But it can also deceive us into thinking we have all these friends and real relationships when we don't really have them. Right? Real relationships require vulnerability, real vulnerability, not just something over technology. But they demand a human-to-human -human contact and the risk of revealing yourself to another. Right? Facebook can very easily become a counterfeit form of community. Satan's very good at that. In our gospel today, it happens to Jesus. Now let me ask you all. Who can tell me what's the number one topic Jesus preaches about in the Gospels? You can answer. You're not allowed to answer because you'll know. What? Nope. <laughs> Love? Sin? You're all wrong. Right? <laughs> Don't you love coming to church? The priest asks you to answer things. I'm like, you're an idiot. You don't know anything about the Gospel. <laughs> it seems like it should be love or sin or heaven then you get nervous and think, well, is it H-E double hockey sticks? It's not that either. Mike, do you know what it is? It's not money. Money is up there. That's on the right track. It's a different phrase, but building the church is right. It's the kingdom of God. Do you have a brother who's a priest? 
Yeah, that's my brother. (laughs) By the way, this is total ADD moment, but you're not allowed to talk to my family because what he always does is he tells you all the horrible things I've done to him over my life, and none of them are true, okay? The number one topic Jesus preaches about by far is the kingdom of God. There's nothing that even comes close in the gospel to that. Jesus talks about the kingdom over and over and over and over again. Do you remember what the second temptation was in our gospel reading today? The second temptation, Satan leads Christ to a high mountain and he shows him all of the kingdoms of the world. That is no mistake. The kingdom of God. Why did Jesus come into the world? Jesus came to establish a universal kingdom, the kingdom of God on earth. Right? It's a kingdom that belongs to every nation. And Satan leads Jesus to the mountain, and he says, I will give you the deepest desire of your heart. <laughs> if you will bow down and worship me. And this is my main point this morning, brothers and sisters. If you're going to understand temptation in your life, Satan is never going to tempt you with things that are ugly or things you know are just straight evil. He is going to put in front of your eyes something really good. And then he'll twist it. That's what he does. You see, Jesus knew that he came to establish the kingdom of God on earth, but he also knew that the way that would happen was through his agonizing, suffering death. The way the Father willed that the kingdom of God would come into this world was through the loving death of his Son. (laughs) And Satan says, you can have the kingdom. You can have it all. And you don't have to suffer. Some people still tell us that today, don't they? You can go to heaven. You can have everything you ever wanted. And you don't have to witness to your faith. You don't have to face your sins. You don't need to suffer for the love of God. Brothers and sisters, that's a lie of the evil one. Jesus says to each of us, if any man would follow me, let him pick up his cross daily and come after me. There are some things in life that are worth suffering for. There's so many of us, that the biggest obstacle in the world today for people to believe in God is they, they question, how can a loving God allow pain and suffering? God flips it on his head. He flips that question upside down. And he says, of course God doesn't intend evil, but he says there are some things worth suffering for. And if you love, your life will be filled with meaning and purpose. And like Jesus, you'll reject that idea. you reject the idea that you can make a perfect world without having to pay anything for it. 
that God invites us to be like him, to be the kind of men and women who say, Lord, I don't want to suffer, but I will. I love you enough and I love your kingdom enough that I will suffer for it. So Satan always does that. He didn't tempt Jesus with things that were unattractive. And you have to know that in your life. Satan is going to tempt you by the very things you desire the most, and they're always good things. An easy example I always think of is I've known many women in my life who desired marriage, which is wonderful. But they were so desperate for it, they'd marry people who led them away from God. And they put their spouse and they put that dream of a marriage in front of God himself. And it will never make you happy. It will never work. (laughs) Only when we, we love the right things in the right way do we really find joy. So how do we do this? Brothers and sisters, Lent, it's a time for us where we are going to undergo penance and trials and fasting. How do we undergo that? And there's one simple answer to that. This morning I was praying, and you guys, by the way, I always consider you folks the really smart people because my homily is usually at its peak point at the 11 a.m. And last night, I, was, I gave the 4.30 uh, p.m. homily, and it was terrible. And so this morning, I was praying and trying to revamp things. And as a priest in my own life, it is just hard. And I was praying about this gospel this morning and about this question, how, Lord, how do I endure the temptations in my life? How do I do that well? And what came to me as I was praying was, I just have to love what you love. And it was, it was amazing. God gave me this grace that I, I just saw. I was like, Jesus, the things you call us to are so beautiful. And what you've called me to is so beautiful. And if I just remember that, if I keep my eyes fixed on the right Things. Lesser things are just that. They're lesser things. They can be good, but they don't tempt me because God has given me a call to the greatest thing he possibly could, to spread his kingdom. That's what it's all about. So brothers and sisters, if you want to face temptation, you have to fall in love. That's it. If you want to have temptation, have less power over you, you have to love heaven and you have to love Jesus Christ. If you love him, temptation will lose his power. It's like a marriage. In a marriage, if a, if a husband is tempted to adultery and he's doing the right thing, if he's saying, I'm not going to look at that woman, she's too attractive, I'm going to turn my eyes away, that's really good. You know what's better? Is if he's madly in love with his wife because then he never even thinks about it. If he's so in love with his wife, temptation loses its power. I want to close this morning with a quote from C.S. Lewis. 
Lewis says this, he says, only those who resist temptation know how strong it is. That is why bad people know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. You only know how hard it is to be holy when you face your sin. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we, until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation really is. And so, brothers and sisters, if you live a Christian life, you're going to be tempted. And it will not be once, it will not be twice, it will run throughout your life. But if you love God, and if you have your eyes set on his goodness, you will overcome every temptation.